Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got Out of Control by Girls Aloud. Girls Aloud are a very well-known girl band, um, formed in 2002 via the... Uh, Infamous pop stars, The Rivals, which was series two of pop stars. Yep. Um, And back in the very early days of singing talent show competitions. Yeah, because there was uh, pop stars first, wasn't there, that that bequeathed us with uh, Hearsay and Liberty X. And then there was Pop Idol in the middle. And then Pop Stars, The Rivals followed. Um, So they used to have this one year gap, which obviously now it's X Factor year after year after year. Forever, mm. um, and this in this series of Pop Stars Arrivals, it was down to two groups to ultimately win. Uh, there was Girls Aloud and One True Voice, which um, we'll be featuring next week. On... <laughs> they didn't even get to an album, did they? I don't think so. Uh, Girls Aloud triumphed in the charts in a head-to-head battle for Christmas number one with Sound of the Underground. And do you remember their campaign was? Um... By girls, by boys. With B-U-Y. And then... B-Y-E. No B-I. No. Today we're going to talk about Out of Control. Um, Why specifically, Dan, are we talking about, of their five studio albums and two greatest hits albums, why are we talking about Out of Control? Well, as terrifying as it may seem, it's actually, this week marks ten years since the album debuted at number one. Ten years? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's astounding that it's been that long. Obviously, they did get back together for a very short period. Uh, how many years ago was that even? That was 2012. 2012, yeah. the Olympic year. Yes, unfortunately, they weren't invited to perform. On the top of taxis. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and of course, we're celebrating this whole month. We're celebrating girl bands. So last week we had Spice Girls. Um, and Girls Allowed, arguably the biggest girl band since Spice Girls. In the UK, absolutely. Mm. Um, fan, big fan, fan. I'm a big fan of the craft of Girls Aloud songs. There's a, very, I think there's a big difference between Spice Girls and Girls Aloud. Spice Girls wrote all their own songs. It, looked, it felt very much like they mastered their, their career with Girls Aloud. We know it was manufactured. We saw it put together. We voted who was actually in the band. But the quality of the songs um, was what set them apart from other acts. I think. And this album, their fifth studio album, was produced, um, written and produced um, by Brian Higgins and Xenomania. Um, this was the fourth of their albums to be completely written and produced by Brian Higgins and Xenomania. The first album, although largely was written by Xenomania and produced by them, there were other tracks by other writers on there. Yes. Um, but I guess this is this was... Um, the fourth time that they exclusively collaborated. And actually, even though there was a second greatest hits on the way, the collaboration, there were new tracks in 2012 that were also um, two out of the three new tracks were... Um, no, I think three out of the four new tracks were mm. produced by Xenomania. Do you know what? I think after this first song, we should double-check that fact. Because you seem a bit unsure. <laughs> <laughs> um, lots to talk about here today. So let's we dive straight in. Yes, please. Um, with track number one, um, which was a number one. Yes. It's The Promise. One, two, three, four. Everything he does better than anything ordinary. 
promise there, a couple of things spring into my head. First of all, gold dresses. Yes, absolutely. Second of all, just it was a real iconic moment when they came back. This this song when it was when it was released ahead of the album, um, it felt like it felt like a, it sounded like a hit single, and there was definitely a widespread feeling that this would be a massive hit for them. And I remember they were very warmly welcomed back with this with this single. Yeah, definitely, and I think. And a lot, has ch- a lot has changed in how people release songs in 10 years. So I think 10 years ago, we still probably would have heard it on the radio first, would have got an exclusive on Radio 1, and then we would have got a few performances. Um, I remember they did it on The X Factor. Do you remember this? Yes. And I think this was one of either Cheryl's first year as a judge or one of her first years, but she came then back as the as the guest to perform the song. And that was, that was when, really, performing on The X Factor's Sunday night show was the biggest place to perform, wasn't it? It arguably still is for a pop band, I'm not sure. Um, I can remember getting excited watching that X Factor results show. Yeah. Probably the last time I was excited watching an X Factor results show. <laughs> and it, the, remember the video? Uh, it's very 60s. Yeah, yeah. driving movie. Yeah. And also, um, it won a Brit Award for, in 2009 for Best British Single. Rightfully so, I think. Um, yeah, a finely crafted pop song. What What I like about this song is that you can tell it's a Xenomania production but equally it sounds very different to some of their more because as songwriters of course they're quite unorthodox in writing pop songs and they don't always follow the formula you'd imagine or the lyrical content you'd imagine but it, although it felt very them it didn't really follow the more electronic style of like something new or well that came later actually but sexy no 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 or something kind of or something like that I think part of that's I love this, the sound um, of Girls Aloud and the, the very specific production style um, and beat that, that was used in a lot of Girls Aloud tracks that made them so popular as well. But I love the fact that this is something different mm. as well. Um, and as we go on through the rest of the album, there's plenty more there if you're after some of the more traditional um, experimental and kind of dancey sounds. Quirky, I'd I'd say, would you say they're quite quirky, their songs? Really quirky. Mm. Like you say, I think part of what made the Girls Aloud stand out was because of the unique structure and sound to a lot of the tracks. Love Machine, Biology, Sound of the Underground as well, actually. We're right back. Yeah, they kicked off with it, didn't they? uh, Should we skip ahead then to track number two? Uh, Track number two... um, and we, this is going to be with some old friends, actually, track number two. Oh, some old friends voice. of the podcast. Oh. Stuart Price. But you turn away. if you're in any doubt on that track written by the Pet Shop Boys mm. and also although it is quite hard to hear apparently backing vocals provided by the Pet Shop Boys as well yeah turned down a little bit as well um, yeah it's Pet Shop Boys working with Dunamani wasn't it and well, they were re- they were recording Yes at the same time as Girls Aloud were recording Out of Control mm. uh, and fa- what a great fit actually yeah Probably, yeah, very opposite ends of the pop spectrum. 
Um, but at the same time, this sound that works perfectly for both of them. And I remember an interview with Neil Tennant somewhere down the line where he expressed his admiration for Girls Aloud um, and was very happy to be sort of contributing. Uh, and also quite recently, I think this year, in fact, the, the Pet Shop Boys demo of this track has surfaced um, as part of one of their uh, reissues. Yes. What do they call them? Um not further, further listening. listening. Is it further listening? Yes, further listening. Yes. Where have I heard that phrase before? It's familiar. Yeah, they might have taken that from someone. But the thing was, obviously, Pet Shop Boys, um, a very pop act, but a credible pop act, uh, one that's respected by many. And I think, actually, Girls Aloud were respected by a lot of credible pop acts. I remember back, um, I think it was a few albums before Out of Control, Coldplay were doing a huge tour for potentially the Viva La Vida album. And they were doing these huge shows and they were supported by Jay-Z, um, White Lies and Girls Aloud, which obviously that whole mix together seemed really odd. This girl group, this rap artist, this... What a melting pot. Yeah, this indie band, but together that is probably the Coldplay sound. You know, they're very popular themselves. So um, I, I would love to have gone to that gig, actually. Unfortunately, I didn't get tickets. I'd have probably gone home after Girls Aloud. <laughs> Uh, this was their 20th top 10 hit. Unbelievable. Um, but it only did just get into the top 10 at number 10. Oh, dear. But the album sold very well, though, so perhaps, you know... Double platinum. Yeah. Uh, number one album. And highly critically acclaimed as well. Uh, the uh, the New Musical Express, R.I.P. Um, Still available digitally. I don't want that. Uh, gave it an 8 out of 10. Considering they gave Tom O'Dell 0 out of 10... You know, they must be quite harsh critics. Yes. His dad did write in to complain about that. Really? Yeah. It's like your uh, your mum's going in to see the head teacher <laughs> yeah. after after um, reports or reports have come out. Not that that ever happened for me. Obviously not, no. Um, Star people. Um, a lovely, melancholic track. Again, the classic Pet Shop Boys, isn't it? It's a melancholy, slightly sad song that you can also dance to. Yeah. And that's probably a lovely way to sum up the Pet Shop Boys career. Well, you were dancing to it, weren't you, just now? Well, I, I did have a little bop, but it's hard not to, um, because it's such a great track. Yes. Uh, track three now, and we are going to roll back the rivers of time. Rivers of Time there, and three tracks in, again, a really different sound and feel. Yeah, we've had like the 60s sounding stuff from The Promise, and The Love and Kind was back to their more electronic. The Love and Kind reminds me a little bit of, sort of Call the Shots, and like you said before, it's kind of, it's melancholy, but it's you can dance to it. Um, oh, just a second, though, Call the Shots, what a great pop song. What a great pop song. Should we go back to Tangled Up one day, do you think, one episode? Well, I think... We'll come on later, but I think we we do want to leave some of Girls Aloud's back catalogue untainted after today's <laughs> yeah, podcast. Absolutely. Because there's loads of great stuff like Call the Shots that we could talk a lot more about. Yes. So, we'll, yeah, so for our further listening, we'll be quite select. Um, but yes, and, and rolling back the rivers of time, 
it's almost like something you'd hear in an American diner in the 50s, um, maybe sat in a Cadillac. Maybe it's actually linked to the story of the video of, of The Promise where they are in, in the drive-in. Maybe if they were releasing that as a single in another world, in a parallel world, it could be often they do videos, like the next song carries on the video. Yeah. They could have done that. I mean, Nadine's sort of dragging the career through and she'll, she'll probably do it herself. <laughs> Whether anyone wants her to or not. Mm, well, um, no one did because the tour got cancelled, didn't it? Sorry, Nadine, if you're listening. We do actually really we like were, We did have tickets. And you was fantastic at Magic Hoopla, I have to say. She was. She was really good. Mm. Um, but already she's very quickly started performing Girls Aloud songs as part of her solo set. Yeah. Which I've always thought was something that happens many years down the line for artists that used to be in groups. I think actually Nadine's been quite vocal throughout the career that she didn't want them to break up either before the reunion or after the reunion. Um, so she probably just feels like she wants to relive those times. She's rolling back the rivers of time. <laughs> very good, very good. And Nadine, obviously... She does a lot of heavy lifting on on most girls allowed songs in the in vocal in the vocal capacity. She does that, yeah. And actually, funnily enough, although she does that, you do get to hear all five voices, don't you? It's not like Eternal, for example, where you know what were they called? Vernie and Esther on no Esther was the lead singer. Vernie and Kelly Kelly on backing vocals. Um, girls allowed is more of that Spice Girls. You can vibe. tell who's singing. Yeah, you can tell who's singing, and they all get quite a fair shot. Um, Throughout, yeah, throughout all of their songs, and particularly. Oh, and you do feel like they're all calling the shots. Oh. This one, though, I think I when it first came out, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just a muscle memory. I thought it was called "Rolling Back the Rivers of Babylon." When you first announced it, just before the song started, my first thought was, uh, "Rolling, rolling on a river." Tina Turner. Yes. Rolling. But yeah, it's it's quite it's a very fun song. Isn't what a it? fun song! It's very fun. Uh, let's move on to track four now. Um, which is uh, Love is the Key. I'm not content with appearing on one track. That's Johnny Marr there again on the harmonica at the end of Love is the Key. Harmar Superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually, thinking about it, Love is the Key, that feels like the song that should follow on from The Promise. It's got that same sort of 60s beats with that lovely electro undercurrent running through. Yeah, definitely. Again, the 60s, or I thought maybe a little 50s as well sound. Um, bit of a honky-tonk sound, I thought. <laughs> Um, and also I've got a bit of a, it could almost have been if I closed my eyes and played it through a very fuzzy speaker and had a few drinks, I could almost confuse it for a Rolling Stones song, I think. Really? Hmm. That's an interesting, that's a hot take on, on this track. Well, we could try that if you want to, we'll do a little, little experiment. Uh, well, unfortunately we only have high quality smart speakers here, so... Uh... And uh, no red stripe in the fridge. I love as well, um, lyrically... I had to pick up on that line, picking out the towels and curtains. I think it's another fine example of Xenomania being quite unorthodox. It is actually the kind of lyric you'd expect to find on something maybe like The Smiths or something a bit more. It's quite a mundane, almost like kitchen sink line, isn't it? Picking out the towels and curtains. I, I, kitchen sink and kitschy at the same time. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, I know you're in the process of moving, so you probably felt a little bit of an affinity to those to those lines as well. Well, on my next trip to IKEA, I'll just play this song on a loop in my in my headphones, and uh, hopefully, it'll influence what happens next. Uh, you're right. There's some wonderful lyrics, very catchy. Not just the chorus, but the refrain before the chorus. Yeah, and of course, it all kicks in with that weird um, choir sound. Where did that come from? <laughs> Uh, well, that's an, it kind of wrong foots you a little bit, doesn't it? Which is, mm. again, not the first time. Do you remember the song Wild Horses? I honestly don't believe I've heard that. But having said that, before we chose this album as one to, to feature on track by track, I hadn't listened to a full Girls Aloud album since the debut. So, yeah, there's probably lots of Girls Aloud gold out there that I haven't got around to listen to yet. The re-education of Danville. Mm. By Nadine Coyle. <laughs> um, track number five now, and things are hotting up now as we go to Turn to Stone. That was Turn to Stone, and I have to say, in my research over these last few weeks of listening to this album, probably one of my favourites in the album, certainly top three. But yes, yeah. I agree. Um, I think this, for me, this is what it's all about with Girls Aloud. These really juicy, kind of Euro dance tracks that, particularly latterly in their career, they used to just do so well. And I guess, again, we probably more refer to the production than the girls themselves, not to take away from the vocals. We mentioned before the whole album's made with Xenomania, and I think with Xenomania, for anyone who knows uh, of their work, of course they've worked with Girls Aloud, and they've worked with Sugar Babes, and they've worked with... Kylie. There's too many in my head that I can't even get them Pet out. Shop Boys. Yeah. If, if you liked a good quality pop song around 2000, from 2000 to 2008, which say something like that, there's a very good hand these had a had a part in it. What I've in my research of this song, what I found out is that um, it was more than Miranda Cooper and Brian Higgins on this song. It was also by uh, writers including Matt Gray, Stuart McLennan, and Sasha Collinson. Um, so a bit of background on those, I suppose, because we always hear about Brian and Miranda. But Matt Gray, he actually wrote originally wrote music for video games, um, and I think you can hear that in yes. the electronics in this. Yeah. Um, he also played a big part in Danny's All I Want to Do. Which was massive in 1996. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of early days for the Xenomania production house. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the first things they did was that Danny Minogue Girl album. Yes. Um, and I think this song, actually, when I th- hearing that and thinking back to that, I think, actually, this song is not too far removed from All I Want to Do. Um, it's got that dreamy kind of ethereal feel hasn't it dreamy is such a good word to describe both those songs thank you for popping that into my head Um, another one of the writers Stuart McLennan he played a big part in Shares Believe Um, and the final one um, Sasha Collinson um, as well as some of the Girls Aloud stuff she's also worked with Aurora now not the Aurora who you might be aware of currently, who's who did the John Lewis advert and has just released her second album, which is fantastic. Uh, Aurora, who covered Duran Duran's Ordinary World back in... Ooh, 
2000 or something like that, 99. She also covered The Day It Rained Forever. Yes. Amongst other things, and I'm sure it give us a bit more time, and the next song we could probably find a few more. Um, but she was definitely one of those kind of late 90s, early noughties kind of dance acts. Yes. And I think my point was, with that amount of quality on this song, of course it was going to be fantastic. Um Turn to Stone there, I couldn't help but think of the look that Cheryl gave Sarah when she hit a bum note on the GMTV or <laughs> yeah, Daybreak or whatever it's it called. It was GMTV, yes. Yeah. Back in, yeah. Um, I think it was during this album, wasn't it? Was it The Loving Kind? It was particularly bad. Can you recreate it, possibly? No, but, well, not while the next track's playing, because I want to enjoy the next track, but um, when there's a lull in proceedings, maybe we'll get onto YouTube and try and find it. Um, and why don't you do that? But After not, you've listened to the podcast. Yeah, not during the podcast. And please, not during this next song. Just for this, just sit back and relax. Enjoy the next, well, 30 seconds of <laughs> Untouchable. Untouchable. A tour de force of everything that's great about Girls Aloud and Xenomania. Yeah. The record, the single buying public, potentially disagree with you there. As you well know, it was their first and only track to not get top ten. And I feel a little bit conflicted about that. For me, it should never have been a a single. You have this six minutes, 41 seconds epic song which mm. builds and peaks and builds again it was butchered into a radio edit which for me I've got to stop saying for me but it for me it cuts out half of the things that are lovely about the songs so the slow build up uh, there's a second part of the refrain before the chorus which is completely cut which is one of my favourite bits I just said to you I got goosebumps listening to that halfway through but the radio edit did away with a lot of what made it great um, and I think there were other contenders that could have been used as the third single rather than spoil Untouchable. And actually, for me, it sits in the middle of the album as one of those lovely kind of album tracks. It's there, you know it's there, but they didn't need to go with it as a single. Yeah, it's interesting. We've, I think we've covered that on a couple of albums where there's been times when we thought that shouldn't have been a single and there's been times when we thought that should be a single. Um, and I do very much agree with you. I think prob- I feel quite confident in saying it's their only time they've had a song that is this long. Normally they are very bite-sized pieces of pop. And it did seem like with the single edit, they took it from something that was 40 stories tall to being a granny flat around the back of the semi-detached. <laughs> but yeah, we mentioned how it didn't get to num- in the top 10. It got to number 11, I think, so very close. And there was a campaign a few years ago, do you remember, of the fans trying yes. to, during a certain week... Trying to all download it from iTunes and and get it to number well to get it to top ten at least. It I don't, I don't it, think it, it worked. Didn't really, no. Did about as well as Lisa Scott Lee's solo campaign to get lately in the top Aww. ten. 
Poor Lisa. Um, I think we're in agreement about Untouchable, about how fantastic a, a piece of work it is. Um, and the next one, watch into that. Let's have a listen. Let's have a listen to the next one, which is Fix Me Up. Interesting because it sounds it's called Fix Me Up. It sounds very much like the same Sex Me Up to me. Do you think they uh, sanitise the title? Yes, for those mums picking it up for stocking fillers. I don't think they'd have popped it in their daughter's stocking if it said Sex Me Up on the back. Uh, all sons. All sons. Yes. This feels like the perfect time to talk about the fantastic artwork uh, on this on this particular album. Mm, yes, it's. Um, it's the girls, it's the, the five of them. Um, it looks like they've just been to New Look on a bit of a spree. And it looks like the floor's just been varnished. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone's had their black vinyl paint out um, and written Girls Aloud across the walls. And yeah, it yeah. looks like Shell's sat on a stepladder, but it's actually a high stool. <laughs> oh, she's perhaps just about to get her makeup done. Although, do you remember the kind of quite embarrassing album art for Tangled Up? Really bad, wasn't it? It, it wasn't great. Um, also, probably your last chance to see Sarah Harding's face in its current form <laughs> before coming back um, in 2012. Looking slightly different. She looked slightly shocked. <laughs> Perhaps she wasn't expecting that level of success for the reunion. But uh... I think, back to Fix Me Up, um, it's, probably, it's definitely not my favourite song on the album um, and I'm not, huge, I'm not hugely into it. I don't know about you, Dan. Yeah, likewise, it's, it's certainly... Well, I think we might get a little bit nearer the time I might get to my least favourite on the album, but it's got a little bit more of that rockier vibe to it, especially with some of Sarah's vocals and with the utmost respect. I'm not a big fan of when she goes for that kind of raspier side of her voice because I do think she sounds a little bit like a pub singer. And if you are a fan of that side of Sarah's voice, then you should definitely listen to the soundtrack for St Trinian's 2, where she does contribute... Um, um, some solo tracks produced by Xenomania so I won't diss them completely mm. um, not a great performance but certainly better than a performance in Coronation Street I think we should definitely draw a veil over that yes any Sarah Harding fans out there please send your hate mail to Will Warren's address which is uh, let's move quickly on because I think we're both looking forward to this next track mm. um, so track 8 is Love is Pain Lovely to hear more from Nicola and Kimberly on that track, first and foremost. Yes, I mean, I'm probably contradicting myself massively here, but I did talk earlier on about you do get to hear all their voices, and you do, but if there's two you hear less, it probably is those two, so, um, which is interesting because, oh no, I was going to say Nicola's had the most successful solo career, obviously she hasn't, that's Cheryl. Well, she's but... definitely produced the best material. Yes, and... In my 
humble opinion. Probably had the, mo- uh, the most critical acclaim as well for her songwriting. Mm. Um, yeah, nice to hear their voices. And also, what a song. What a song. Um, this is, again, for me, what it's all about. It's that It's got that Euro dance vibe to it. It's a bit bittersweet, but there's a great beat to it. Yeah, it's quite, it's electronic, it's quite icy. Icy, that's a great word, Thank icy. You. Yeah, probably more in keeping with things like, don't get me wrong, it's not, it, it doesn't sound like Goldfrapp could have done that, but leaning towards that electronic, robotic, pop, indie side of things. This was the direction that I really enjoyed Girls Aloud going in. It was away from the real balls out of the bag pop oh. and into the more dance Definitely reminds me a little bit of 90s Euro pop music, which is not a bad thing in my book. No. Um, But towards the more experimental. And what's interesting as well about this one, there were three of uh, the Xenomania team on this one. Miranda Cooper, Brian Higgins and Carla Marie Williams. Um, On the previous song, Fix Me Up, there were six writers on that one. So it just goes to show perhaps sometimes too many cooks. Do you know what? There's a, been a couple of songs on this album, actually. This, particularly this one, and I think "Turn to Stone," which wouldn't have sounded out of place on Rachel Stevens' album we featured a few weeks ago. Come and get it. Good point. Really good point. I'm glad they were saved for Girls Aloud, though. I do think they are a, a step, a step up. Um, and it was great talking. I'm still buzzing that we actually did Rachel Stevens a couple of weekends ago. Oh, I forgot to say, I decided not to post that one, so we actually haven't. <laughs> Let's move on now. Uh, we're on to track number nine now. Miss You Bow Wow. All I do, 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 when my demons hit, I song there that feels like it's going one way but takes you off in another direction yeah i think it's that part when sarah comes isn't it for well you were singing it earlier do you want to listen to that line again just I... that soaring i remember <laughs> <laughs> i won't do any more um that's a lovely bit but also the chorus is infuriatingly catchy as well yeah and it starts off with that everybody love love loves love 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 loves you know you can't disagree with can you everyone does love love Love, love, love. It's Hang one on, of those I'm confused. <laughs> well, if everybody loves love, then love, 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 love. Shine a light. Sexy. No, no, no. <laughs> which actually draws me into my next point. It's one of those titles, Miss You Bow Wow, which I think Xenomania do a lot of. And... What does it mean? Well, I think they miss Bow Well, hang on a minute. Lil Bow Wow. Wasn't that Snoop Dogg's nephew or something like that? Yeah. But it is one of those titles, like Sexy No 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 and like Something Kinda Ooh, which I've referenced those two as an example earlier, so it sounds like they're the only other Girls Aloud songs I know, but they're not. <laughs> but it's those titles where you think, well, that's a really odd title. I want it. it draws you in. You want to hear what that song sounds like. It's all right. It's not my It's favorite. all right. Yeah. It's, it, what a fun song. It's very fun. You can't deny that. And interestingly, this and the next two, the final two songs of the album, are co-written by the band. Time to move on. I think so. Track number 10, Revolution in the Head. Hey, 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 oh, oh, oh. Give me a ting, give me a ting, give me a oh, oh, oh. Hey, 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 oh, oh, oh. Hey, 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 oh, oh, oh. I really wanna, but then again, I guess I just don't know
Will, you burst out laughing when Nadine started singing Gimme da ting, gimme da ting, gimme da ah ah oh. Why was that? I don't think she should be singing that. It's just not It's just not appropriate. Oh, you're, so you were offended. Not offended, um, just disappointed. Oh. She doesn't sound convicted when she's singing it either. And I also don't think it's representative of the rest of the track because the rest of the track builds into a little belter, as mm. I would say, with some great... I think all the girls get involved on it. There's a wonderful electrical undercurrent, which almost sounds like electrical feedback. Yes, sort of a very vintage-sounding synth mm. that you don't hear it until later on. And this is also part of the chorus where it just it just kind of lifts, doesn't it? It goes a little. It's a little bit of euphoria in there. It just well, you lifts. you stood up when it when it when it lifted. I took my shirt like, off and I was swinging it around my head. head. <laughs> completely got lost in the music there, but. I have to agree. I think she's not a very convincing rapper, is she? She's almost as bad as rapping as she is at saying the word flower. It does feel like a climactic track, the way it builds up. Yes, definitely. Okay, so the next track is either Live in the Country or Live in the Country. I think it's Live in the Country. Live in the Country. Girls Aloud. song yes no joking aside um apparently a pop fact for you they actually got all of the animals into the studio that they needed to get all of the noises the grunts and the <laughs> and the barks and the bars and everything and everything else no freaking way no they didn't oh well i don't know they might have done well i, I, sp- I actually a joke i assume they probably wouldn't have no there was a few health and safety concerns around that. And then, wasn't this around the time of foot and mouth as well? Or just a little bit after that? Swine flu? Mm, bird flu? Yeah, all of, well, all all of the above. <laughs> <coughs> Although, didn't um, didn't Brian Wilson get up the animals in the studio for pet sounds? So, perhaps, you know, Brian Wilson, or maybe he, Brian Higgins. Maybe he took the studio to the animals. Mm. Um It is, I mean, it's only Girls and I could record a song like that. It is, it is fun. It's a bit... Off the wall. A bit bonkers. Um, zany. But there's some great production in there. There's a great guitar all the way through that song. I do know from reading an interview years ago with Brian Higgins, he's a big fan of guitars and always tries to incorporate them into what is traditionally quite an electronic synthesised sound yeah. that, that he produces. And I did think that the guitars were a little, a little bit Johnny Marr, which, of course... They've got a very similar taste and probably a very similar style with him writing with them. And oh, I thought you like coined a new euphemism. What's that? If something's a little bit Johnny Marr. Well, it, it could be so. What was interesting as well is it starts with the the animal sound effects or the real live animals. We'll never know, I don't think. Um, which is how the Smiths song, Meet His Murder, starts. And I never thought when we were going to do a track by track on a Girls Loud album that would mention the Smiths and Morrissey. Or even say the phrase, meat is murder. No, but it is, and we have, and that's that. But what a fun song. <laughs> Very drum and bass, actually, isn't it? So, um... Yeah, it's it's great, and, oh, and I think it's a good penultimate track on the album. 
Um, and there's a bit of a bone of contention on whether this should be the last track. I've been insisting that we're going to have one more track and that the UK bonus track for me is still part of the album proper. Which is, of course, We Want a Party. Um, and I think it's a bonus track, so we shouldn't include it. So I'm not going to say a word about this song. Listeners, let's enjoy it together whilst Dan um, leaves the room. He's going to live in the country. <laughs> So we want a party there, and I'm obviously going to be just talking to myself because um, Dan has opted out of this next bit. He's a real stickler for the rules. Now that's not originally a girls' alone song. Did you know, Dan? Um, that, this is brand new information. Um, and this was uh, she has a writing credit as well. This was originally um, written for, with, and recorded by Lena Lenny 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 Lenny. Um, who was the female singer, female member of Aqua. She had a solo career um, back in the 90s or early noughties. And this was a song on her uh, album. Mm. Uh, and there were many songs actually produced by Xenomania on that album. Uh, interesting enough, she also recorded a version of Here We Go, which was from Girls Aloud's second album, What Will the Neighbours Say, before Girls Aloud uh, reimagined it, which is what has been done for this one as well. What do you think? Well, I, I'm, I'm led to believe, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I'm led to believe that she also co-wrote No Good Advice, their second single. Did she really? Second single. It's, uh, it's strongly rumoured. But no, it is, it's, as we said before, it's a, apparently, technically, a UK bonus song, but yeah, it's probably stronger than some of the tracks that appear on the on the album proper. Even though it isn't actually an original composition for Girls Aloud. No, so... But that's been done many times, hasn't it? I mean, let's sticking with the pop stars thing. Hearsay's lead single, Pure and Simple, was written for Girl Thing. Really? Yes, and they had it, they'd recorded it and they were all ready to put it out as a single and then it got nabbed off them and look look what happened to their career. Well, yes, nothing. Um, <laughs> on the same lines, actually, on a, on a Girls Aloud thread... Um, do you remember Graffiti My Soul? I know that title. Girls Aloud album track, yeah. again, from early days. Uh, uh, Rumours are to be believed that was originally written and offered to Britney Spears. Really? And obviously turned away. Largely regarded as a very, very popular with fans Girls Aloud album track. So much so it was featured on the second CD of the Girls Aloud 10 Greatest Hits. Ah. So we're at the end of the album. Oh. How do you feel? I've enjoyed this. Um, you look absolutely shattered. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bushed. I really am. I'm Kate bushed. But yeah, it was fun. What an experience. What a fun album. I mean, as I said, I've not listened to an album by Girls Aloud all the way through since the first one. But there's some quality pop writing on there. So should we talk some further listening? I think we should, yeah. I think we should pop in a couple of extra, our own bonus tracks, shall we say. I'd like to start, if you don't mind. Is that okay? Of course not. Could you just lay out the rules for me, please? What am I allowed to choose? So, because, as we said earlier, we do... We hopefully and probably will revisit Girls Aloud's earlier albums at a future date. So we're looking 
from anything from the Out of Control era and later um, for our further listing from Girls Aloud. So that could be anything that was a B-side or a remix from this album campaign or anything that formed part of 10, uh, which followed in f- uh, four years later in 2012. I'm going with a fantastic track. Oh. Though not only do I feel like this track should have been included on the album, as it was recorded in the sessions as part of the other songs on this album, I also feel like it could be and should have been a single for them. It's called Memory of You, um, and also Nicola Roberts recorded a version of this song. She loved it so much that it actually featured on her debut solo album as well. So let's dive into Memory of You. So I don't want to sound over, overly dramatic, but pop music doesn't get any better than that. That's quite an overdramatic thing, <laughs> I have to say. Um, what did you think of that? No, I really enjoyed it. It was really... The the production and the synth work in there, very kind of quite harsh and quite industrial. I love that's why I love it. Yeah, it's you like, like it quite an, hard, don't you? An electronically industrial ballad. Mm, I like that. And very interesting the story of it and how it it didn't actually appear on the CD single, did it? It appeared on the vinyl, yes. the B side of the vinyl single, which it was really tucked away. I just don't mm. understand why it's kind of in the girls allowed fandom of which I kept myself a part of. That's regarded as one of their real hidden gems and something which should have had a lot more attention. But also as a fan, it's very nice to have. A song like that that's kind of very, you know, just for the hardcore fans. Mm. Something else I'd like to say, it, it reminded me, we mentioned how some of the songs that sounded like more 90s dance tracks were kind of the ones you appreciated more. And I think that, for me, more than any, that's what that sounds like. Mm. Um, but also got a little hint in there of September, Cry For You. Again, a really melancholic dance song. Yeah. One Hit Wonder as well. No. I think. No? No. What was the other songs called? There's albums of stuff. Yeah, what the world? No, there was September, so Cry For You Satellites, It Doesn't Matter. It really doesn't, it sounds of things. So, Dan, what have you gone for? Well, well, I have gone for Every Now and Then. Sent you through the kitchen sink into that one. And everything else as well. I think it's probably their most stomping track. It's a real club thumper, if you will. It, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you heard that song. I'm, I feel like I'm giving it a bad name, even though I haven't said it yet. Like a just a dance song with a, a vocalist that you don't know. It could be that, but the added fact that it is Girls Aloud singing it is, is a bonus. It sounds like a great club song and it's Girls Aloud, so yeah, fantastic. 
I remember when 10 came out and they were announced that they'd recorded some new tracks for it. Mm. There was definitely an expectation that one of those tracks would be like a vintage Girls Aloud banger. Yeah. And like this was this was that track. Yes. Because the, there was something new, which was... A little bit more up to date, I think, with the kind of pop music of, of the time. Yeah. On the, On Metro. the Metro, which was fantastic. Not produced by Xenomania. Shockingly. Uh, but a brilliant song. Uh, it was beautiful because you love me. And this one, yeah, and I do think actually this is the last song on that 10 album uh, and therefore the last song on a Girls Aloud album to date. Um, but what a hint of a tease of what could have been. Uh, they could have kept going. I think they were still... 10 was massive. The comeback was, certainly in the UK, you know, it was national news that Girls Aloud were back. Yeah. And they could they could be they could come back again in a few years time i think with the same producers and blow everyone out of the water again give them little mixes a run for their money eh mm you're not a fan of little mix i think they've had a few good songs <laughs> that says it all really we're out of time well that's the end of week 2 of our celebration of girl bands so next week it's a trio it's not Bananarama. One eternal. day. It's not Eternal. Mm. It's an ever-changing trio. <laughs> to say anything more would... Uh, would be to give it away. Yes. Perhaps you know who it is. Please feel free to, to guess and send that to at Move to Trash UK on Twitter. Uh, hashtag track by track, if you will, as well. Anyway. Oh, so yeah, please do subscribe. There's please. some lovely comments on there. Um, um, and that our post bag is filled with... All sorts of comments. And some not very nice ones as well. They aren't really, they're all lovely. Thank Thanks you, because we've had sharing. some lovely comments so far. Um, do keep them coming. We're really enjoying it as well. Yes. And I know that sounded quite insincere, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so for now, I've been Sarah Harding's original face. <laughs> and I've been Cheryl, with no surname. Goodbye. Bye.